And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, joined by my co-host, Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello! And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello! What's going on, ladies? How is quarantine treating you? Just fine. (laughs) Quarantine is a thing, and I am currently stalling because I'm trying to pull our new podcast reviewers. Oh. oh, okay. That's totally fine. So while Brittany is doing that, I want to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of What's Good Games, whether it's your first episode or your 150th episode. We're glad that you are part of our amazing community. Brittany and I have recently started an additional part of What's Good Games called What's Good Games Live. Our very first episode went up this week. Hopefully you found it in your podcast feed. So we like the idea of keeping it continuous with the What's Good Games regular feed and posting it, of course, at youtube.com slash what's good games. But we decided we're not going to number those episodes instead we're going to kind of identify them by date since the idea of the show is to do more topical news from that day and from the couple of days over the weekend and then we're going to keep the regular friday show as the show that we number by episode number so hopefully that's not too confusing for you guys uh but if you have questions let us know you can always reach out to us on twitter at what's good underscore games you can find us at patreon.com slash what's good games you can find us on instagram at what's good games official or, you know, you can just email us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. And now you can find us on Twitch. We are officially an affiliate. Woo! Yeah. So I did a bunch of streaming last week. My friend Anthony Carboni came by. And Brett and I did some streaming. The three of us did a really weird reacts video to that PlayStation 5 Mark Cerny talk. Um, and so all of the streaming finally bumped us up to affiliate. So I know a lot of you had been reaching out and asking us, hey, can I give you my free Amazon sub through Twitch Prime? I mean, Twitch sub through Amazon Prime. And we were like, no, you can't. But now you can. Woo, woo, woo. Look at us. Big girls. Growing up in the world. Hello, I am back in this conversation. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) Thanks. I've done the thing. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Um, Also... The three of us had the amazing opportunity uh, about a month ago to work on a top secret project with the folks at Patreon, and that project just went live this week. So Patreon is doing a big promotional push for their new website called creativityovereverything.com, which is essentially a big promotional tool to encourage creators to take advantage of Patreon as a platform. So we have some photos up on that website. If you watch the video on that site, you'll see us very quickly make a cameo. And then we have some fun like Instagram ads and other things that they shot with us that you maybe have seen. Apparently, John saw the ad with you, Britt, on Instagram. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, hey, I'm famous. 
He said he tried to take a screenshot. And I was like, don't worry, they gave us the file. Yeah, we had the files. (laughs) Um, But it was a really cool thing that we got to be a part of. And just as a reminder, if you want to help support our creative voices in the video game space and you haven't contemplated membership on Patreon, we have some really cool exclusive content and membership levels there that you can check out. And then we have a lot of friends of ours that are also creating content on Patreon. So worth checking out if you've got the time and the funds to do so. But if you don't, then maybe you can leave us a podcast review. Oh, hey, hey, look at that segue. That's a good segue. Oh, I teed it up for you. You did it. You did it so great, Andrea. All right. We have three fine podcast reviewers we would like to thank this week. We have Insipid Ghost. We have Nine Volts. And then we have, um, oh, what is that drink? They're all emojis. It's like a little wine glass. Champagne? Per- no, it's not champagne. On the left? The far left one? It looks like it's Oh, you know what? In my in my document, it came up as a square. Oh, uh, that's an emoji fail. This looks like uh, okay, the it top of a like wine a glass, a cocktail, and then four champagne glasses that are cheering, eight that are cheering rather. So thank you all so much. Uh, we talk about it on the show every now and again, but these podcast reviews really do help us out. They help us out in the algorithm. They help people find us because you know, with your approval, other people will think we're cool. And that's what we want. We just want your approval. Yeah. Unlike the approval of <laughs> Omega X E R O X E R Xeroxer. Xeroxer. I haven't seen the word Xerox in a while. Z- oh God, that is what that is, isn't it? Xerox. <laughs> that was yeah. my life when I was an intern for Department of Corrections. I was queen of Xerox. Um, this person has said, "Quotes: We are the Fox News of video games podcasts." <laughs> that's an interesting take. And they left us a one-star review. So to combat the Xeroxer of the Omega variety, please head to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a, a review. Let us know what you think. If you don't like us, don't let us know. Yeah, you can just, just keep that review to yourself if you yeah. don't want to leave a five-star <laughs> review. Tell your, tell your dog, tell your cat, but that's it. Yeah. Um, it's hilarious that they said Fox News because only one of us is blonde. And I feel like almost all the people on Fox News are blonde. Wow. <laughs> they are. It's true. They are, though. Have you, uh, Brittany, I was going to say, don't you ever watch Fox I, I, News? I do. I do. I am. I'm <laughs> hip and cool today's world. And I, I, I that's me. I am an undercover Fox News anchor. I am working at What's Good Games <laughs> to push my agenda on the world. Surprise. Well, could you push the What's Good Games agenda on Fox News? Maybe they'll give us some more subscribers. <laughs> it's true. We would have a much bigger user base if we were. Oh, no. no, it's it's funny, though, that you bring up the one-star review because that was one of the cheeky, sarcastic lines that we read for the Patreon project because when they first pitched us this, essentially this, they're calling it a brand film, but it feels kind of like a little bit like a little mini infomercial slash commercial for Patreon. And they were like, we want to kind of emphasize the fact that a lot of creators are frustrated by some of the parameters that they have to work around in digital content creation or some of the hurdles that get in the way of their fans getting able, being able to enjoy the stuff that they create. And one of the lines that we read was, um, I love it when a one-star review tanks my ratings. Or what An was anonymous, the line, Brittany? <coughs> I love it when an anonymous one-star reviewer tanks our ratings. Oh, there it is. so good. How many times do you think you said that during our day of shooting? Dude, a lot. And you know what other line keeps popping into my head is from the Dice Awards. What was oh. once the purview of dedicated fans exploring text-only dungeons. I mean, it's like all in my head. I can't... It, <laughs> It will never leave. I'm so leave. proud of you. <laughs> it will never I'm leave. I'm very proud of you. 
Um, but thank you to everybody who does take the time to leave us a five-star review. It really does mean it a lot. And also, thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, Punctified, and Malay Bittner. Malay. Plus, welcome to our Patreon community, Austin Riley, Israel Sandoval, Christian Pedraza, Megan Dutra, Mark Zapetta, Ian Sear, Alfonso Ara- Ariano, Ariano. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alfonso. Uh, Ryan Burkos, D Pain, not to be T Pain. T Pain. <laughs> uh, Lisa Souza, Matea Strand, Chris, Stormier Guide, Janie Els, Elise, Elze, Els, Elze, Derek Najawis, Nikki Wertheim. Wow, there were a lot of difficult names. Like, <laughs> there were. <laughs> I, yeah, wow. I, I, I did my it. best, everybody. You did good. Um, you and tried. on that note, let's get into the news. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this week's news segment is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So you might know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and your security online, right? Or maybe you don't. So let me tell you about it. And maybe something else that you might not know that you guys can use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Pretty cool. Now that many of us, or almost all of us, are stuck at home, it's only a matter of time until we run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. So this whole week, I've been kind of surfing Netflix, figuring out what is the next thing I'm going to watch. I've finished Next in Fashion. I finished The Circle, which if you haven't watched, is hilarious. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, what's the next thing in the queue that I want to watch? And boom, it hit me that you can use ExpressVPN to binge watch content from other countries. So it's simple to do. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, to Japan, or whatever country has the content that you want to watch, refresh your Netflix app, and boom. That's it. Because ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. So you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all of the Netflix libraries that you can go through. Do you love anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that we use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD with no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. And you can watch what you want on a personal device or on your big screen TV wherever you are. If you want to visit expressvpn.com of course you know we have a special link because we've got a special offer we need you to go to expressvpn.com slash what's good games and you can get an extra three months of expressvpn for free Mm -hmm. that's right you guys i said for free plus it supports everything we do here at what's good games and you get to watch what you want it's kind of a win-win and did i mention you also can protect yourself with expressvpn at expressvpn.com slash what's good games now i know i talked a lot about watching stuff on netflix but you know some other adult websites have been talking about increases in traffic 
And maybe you don't want everybody knowing about that. Your VPN can hide that too. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to leave it at that. ExpressVPN.com slash what's good gains for three months of VPN service for free. She was talking about porn. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, Brittany. Oh, wait. Steam? Porn? Steam? They're the same thing, right? No, Mm -hmm. they're not. They're not the same. Um, So the first news story we have is about the coronavirus outbreak surprisingly uh not surprisingly a lot of the gaming news is centered around that unfortunately because it's really just the only thing a lot of us can think about these days but what it does mean is that a lot of people are playing video games and according to gameindustry.biz a record number of steam users online are playing during the coronavirus outbreak steimer would you like to read this one Oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, so, yes, as Andrea said, uh, after less than a week, Steam has once again broken its concurrent user record, reaching 22.6 million, according to SteamDB. Quote, Steam just achieved a new peak concurrent user record of 22 million, one day after reaching 21 million and six days after reaching 20 million, said Nico Partners analyst Daniel Amond on Twitter. Global lockdowns and self-isolation due to COVID-19 has led has led to at-home gaming becoming a safe form of entertainment to pass the time. Um, which is very true. And what the funniest part to me is, so I'm only friends with my dad on Steam. And Aw, that's cute. His, uh, his habits are exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> are your game libraries he's, the same? He's just, he's, I mean, he's like me and the, we both just stay inside and play games all day. But uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was just funny. Anyways, uh, so this is the original story back on March 16th. Um, Leading online game services and platforms are seeing a surge of activity likely due to people self-isolating or being quarantined to stem the tide of the novel of novel coronavirus of of novel coronavirus that's an interesting way of putting it all right uh steamdb which tracks usage of valve's marketplace reports that there was a record number of concurrent online users over the weekend more than 20.3 million people were using the service yesterday as we said that's already been eclipsed um of these 6.2 million were playing games at the same time pc gamer notes that this is almost a million less than the number of concurrent users in the game on new year's day 2018 one of the titles to benefit most from the people uh, flooding in was Valve's own Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which reached a record number of concurrent plays, according to Eurogamer. The game saw one million players all online together on Saturday, the first time the game has passed this milestone in eight years. Wow. Finally, That's it crazy. appears... <laughs> yeah. Finally, it appears it's not just PC services that are, uh, people are turning to for entertainment during the outbreak. Reports emerged over the weekend that Xbox Live suffered some downtime with Xbox boss... Phil Spencer indicating that this downtime was due to increased number of users on the service. In a tweet, he said, quote, usage is up on almost everything. Things go out to all the ops slash IT teams and all the companies that are working hard to keep everything running smoothly with all going around them. Um, not surprising that everybody's working from home and playing games. I'm um, just as like an aside and when you were like, huh, the novel coronavirus. So it's called the novel coronavirus because the coronavirus is actually like a broad family of viruses that a bunch of different illnesses fall under. And COVID-19 is called novel coronavirus because it's a mutation of, ah. that, of that virus family. And so COVID-19 is the specific strain, but like the kind of like more generic term is not just coronavirus. It's novel coronavirus because it's a very specific mutation. Got it. Today I learned. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of surprising when people are home, they're going to play video games. 
what else do you I, I mean, do? Yeah, like there's, yeah, I mean, I I read books. There's puzzles. There's like, there yeah. are other things to do, but there are. in terms of escape, I think games is one of the things that allows you to fully kind of dive in more than anything else. Speaking of escape, Liquid Music Entertainment from Patreon.com slash What's Good Games has a question for us, ladies. And oh, it boy. is. During this quarantine, are there games you stay away from to clear your mind from this virus outbreak? I stay away from any games about T-Virus or apocalyptic times just to cleanse my palate. I have been playing Spider-Man, Mario Kart, racing games with the kids, and so on. Just need that break from reality. I mean, not that a T-Virus is reality, but I understand the mentality behind (laughs) that. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, it's... I do right now because... I mean, so far again, I have I don't have it very bad at all, right? Like I'm super privileged, but there is still like that overlooming sense of anxiety of like not knowing how long all of this will happen. So I tend to now go toward more calming, soothing video games, <laughs> like one Animal Crossing, probably like an Animal Crossing, which we'll discuss later in the show. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's I was talking about this was that just last week about how I had a hard time playing Doom. But then I hopped immediately into the Resident Evil 3 demo, and that was cathartic as fuck. So I, th- I think it probably... To each just- their own. But that's like a yeah, comfort food for you. It is, yeah. It's a very cathartic experience. The inventory management, I just fucking love it so much. But uh, I also have been dabbling in Animal Crossing. Usually, like, my go-to game for stress relief is a Story of Seasons, like, Stardew Valley kind of game. Um, those are just games that whisk me away and make the time go by very, very fast. But... Uh, Yakuza obviously has been my go-to, but I've kind of like had to put the brakes on that because some other games have come up. But um, I got through Yakuza, Yakuza 0, 1, and 2, and that has really made the past few weeks go by fast, especially when I was sick and I couldn't even like talk to my husband for like a week. That was not great. But yeah, to each their own. What about you, Andrea? Um, You know, I want to say that I've been playing a lot more, but... I haven't. I've been playing about the same amount. There's definitely like a list of games that I want to get to, but I've been really trying to use this time to focus my mental energy on on creating content and working. So I've actually been spending a lot of time in the studio. So I've been spending a lot of time working on graphics, a lot of time, you know, researching how to do specific kinds of animation, been thinking about, you know, I've been streaming more. Um, which is good, but you know, like I think for me, like I, I, two ways for me to get my mind off of everything that's happening is to uh, play games, which I have been doing, but not an excessive amount, and also working and trying to figure out new ways to diversify not only what we're doing at What's Good Games, but my personal business as well, which was hit pretty hard by all the cancellations. Um, and so I have the privilege of having my work from home set up here, and so I'm like, well, it's here, better just keep working. Keep, keep finding new ways to, you know, diversify and and pivot. And I think a lot of creatives who work in the freelancer gig industry are having to think about how to pivot their personal creative businesses to kind of manage what's happening. And it's not necessarily just creatives. Like, obviously, this has affected a lot of people. So, but yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, I wouldn't have to work from home. I would just be chilling and catching up on stuff. A friend of mine who works in production, who works for one of the daytime TV shows here in Hollywood, like she can't do her job when they're not at the studio shooting the show. 
And so she's like literally just home being like twiddling her thumbs, <laughs> making all these really funny Facebook posts about how she's slowly going crazy. <laughs> oh no. I saw she it. And she doesn't play games. She doesn't play video games. So she's a musician. So she's she writing should some start. music and, and doing <laughs> yeah. stuff. I, I mean, I know, but like imagine though that you're not a gamer or your, your experience with video games is from years and years ago, or maybe you only play games on your phone you know, and like you aren't set up and now you're in quarantine and it's not like you can just run down to Best Buy and grab an, an Xbox. <laughs> um, and especially since True. a lot of the Amazon deliveries that are dubbed non-essentials have been delayed by multiple weeks, at least from what I've been hearing from people. Yeah, I know they so have. It's, so it's like, I guess you could, the only place you could go and maybe pick something up is Target because I had to go to Target to get some, to get some cat food. And mm. so I was like, oh, all of Target is open right now. This is great. <laughs> so crazy. Um, I know I saw something but, on Twitter of a meteorologist, I believe, set up a home studio at her house, like in her kitchen or something. I don't know where it was. But she had like the green screen and she had all the lighting and the camera and all of the tech. And it's crazy how these, you know, broadcast journalist folk are pivoting. But you do what you got to do when you can. Obviously, not everyone can do that. But I thought about that several times. What would I fucking do if I didn't have video games right now? Like, obviously, staying busy is one thing. But, yeah. you know, it's uh, – I don't know because I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of movies. I would probably go crazy. But hey. I do appreciate how um, Seth Meyer, I think it was, um, you know, he's one of the late-night talk show hosts, was admitting how – well youtubers have home video figured out and like all of these professional broadcast people are like how do i get my webcam to turn on like what microphone do i like someone else used to do this for me how do i I do this yeah and so they were giving props and shout outs to um to youtubers who have been doing it at home for decades figuring this Um, shit out yeah, and I was just like, you know, thank you, but I mean, we all would probably would want to be working in a studio with an army of people doing everything for us too if we had the choice. Yes, please. <gasps> oh my gosh, but yeah, it's a it's weird to see like even like I don't know if you ca- guys have caught ESPN at all and like oh, them trying to have folks. assemble. Oh my <laughs> god, I mean, they kind of got it the worst because at least like the news people still have stuff to talk about. But, like, all major sports are, like, not operating right now. And so it's, like, ESPN is just, like, pulling the dredges of evergreen content out of their butt. It's just, like, oh, my God, those poor producers. It's, like, you almost want them to just, like, start running just marathoning, uh, you know, the the 30 for 30, like, documentaries and just tell everyone to take a break for a couple of weeks. Just give us all the Super Bowls. Give us some excitement. I don't know. Just a poor guy. I know I yeah. turned the TV on the other day and it was on ESPN and it was some athlete just talking about COVID-19. It was like a 35-minute interview because I had it on in the background and it was just – it was nothing. Like no offense to the athlete. I don't know who it was, but they're just like, please give us content. <laughs> they're just like fill time. Please, please help us. Yeah. We are a 24-hour network. Please help. <laughs> I know. But they're doing a good job for you know what little they have, so – Good job, ESPN. I know none of you probably listening to the show, but if you are, I'm giving you props. Hire yeah, us. We're just telling we're just telling you that, you know, your job we understand how difficult your job is on a normal basis, but thank you for taking a moment to understand how difficult our job is too. Well that's not as easy as you think it is, is it? 
That's Thankfully, all. That's our industry never sleeps, so we never run out of shit to talk about. Exactly. But. Speaking of more shit to talk about, YouTube will limit video quality worldwide for next month, reports Polygon. YouTube will default all video streams, including ours, around the world to standard definition for the next month, according to a statement provided to Polygon. This comes after an initial report by Bloomberg detailing the plan. A similar strategy has been employed in Europe. The decision comes as global internet traffic has spiked due to social distancing measures being taken to combat the spread of the novel coronavirus. Quote, we continue to work closely with governments and network operators around the globe to do our part to minimize stress on the system during this unprecedented situation, Google has said in a statement. Users will still have the ability to watch high-definition feeds, but will have to manually adjust the quality in their player. Ah, oh, that's good to know. On Friday, the state of Illinois joined New York, California, and other states with large population centers in issuing a so-called shelter-in-place order. One second. <coughs> I swear I'm not sick. It's just oh, allergies, no. everybody. It's just allergies. Um... Where was I? On Friday, oh yes, the shelter in place. These measures are intended to halt the spread of COVID-19, for which there is no cure. These orders have resulted in increased traffic for many companies, including streaming giant Netflix and Amazon's Twitch platform. On Tuesday, Sony also announced that it would limit the speed of downloads to its PlayStation customers in light of increased demand. Oh, so that's why everything's been so slow. And in an update provided to Polygon, Google said in an email that it would limit video quality to standard definition by default. Oh, they've already updated the article to reflect that. We read that part already. I bet. Interesting. I guess, I mean, I didn't realize so many people watch their stuff. I mean, I'm assuming they're banking on a lot of people watching their shit in standard definition and not taking the strenuous effort to upgrade it to HD. Well, if you're not if you're watching a long form piece of content like something like our show, for example, and you have it like on a second screen, or if you have it windowed and you're like listening to it, and you're not necessarily watching it. You don't really need it to be on like 1080p, right? And a lot of people will l- put YouTube YouTube playlists on just to listen to music, despite yeah. the fact that YouTube has created a separate app for it. A lot of people still don't use it, <laughs> so I would guess that. That has to do with it too. Also, people watching on their phones probably don't need it in high definition. And, but I'd be I mean, curious to see what I, the breakdown is. But yeah. Oh, I would love to see that data. How many people watch? Because I know, like, when we, I was talking about it with some other friends of mine who work on video, because um, we were talking about the merits between uploading video in 720 versus 4K and, like, who 4K makes sense for and if it makes sense to put 4K 60 frames per second gameplay up. If people aren't even watching it, if like, you know, less than 5% of your audience who watches your video actually watches it in 4K because managing those files is so much more difficult than managing 720p files. Um, But that was that was a while ago. But what we found out um, from some of our friends that worked at YouTube gaming was that the vast majority of people, even I think as late as 2018, were still watching everything in 720p. And I was like, that's surprising considering how prolific not prolific ubiquitous maybe is the word i'm looking for 1080p is as a a format and now i feel like a lot more people have 4k televisions than had just standard 1080p or hd tvs because i didn't upgrade to a 4k tv until i got my xbox series x so that launched what was that 2017 or 2018 not series x did i say series x Maybe yeah, it's did. happened. I but mean, if we're I all, did, we're I all did Xbox, Xbox One X. One yeah, X. Yeah. 
like maybe 2018 because that's what also encouraged me to get a four. maybe that was my ps4 pro i don't know what came out sooner hmm. uh, i don't the, remember hmm. when did the xbox one x come out no it didn't come out in 2013 google that is cor- incorrect. <laughs> That's very wrong. Very, very, very. Xbox One X release date. We're going to the Google machine. It was November of 2017. Oh, so it was 2017. I okay. think. Wait, no. Yeah? Yeah. That sounds roughly, that sounds right. roughly okay. correct. Okay, okay, okay. Cool. Anyway. Anywho. Anywho. Um, <laughs> it would be curious. It would be curious to know how many people watch our show in 1080p versus... Other formats. Just Maybe. turn down that pixel. Yeah, that you don't really need count. it. We all yeah. look better in 720. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Like people- well, why don't I just for just for funsies? What I'll do is I'll upload this week's video in 720p and see the difference. Oh, nice the difference. And be like, and suck it, everybody. The file will be much smaller. <laughs> and um, I'm getting like terrible bandwidth. I don't know how you guys have been doing with your internet speeds, but now that everybody is working from home. It like has put a giant bottleneck on upload speeds here. Oh yeah, you said uploading our last show to YouTube, What's Good Games Live, which was like a fifty-minute show, it took like five hours. It was insane. Yeah, it was it was terrible. Crazy. I have I have Spectrum coming out to the house this weekend to take a look, but I'm fully expecting them to be like, oh yeah, there's nothing we can do and i'll be like cool so you're going to give me a discount then right because i'm pretty sure i'm paying for a speed that i'm not getting and it's not my problem that your network can't handle it because i'm pretty sure if i can't pay my bill because i'm not working because of covid19 shutdown you're gonna say that's not your problem and i have to pay it anyway gotcha (laughs) oh you ran this through your head are you the, the kind of person, like, terrible. while you're taking a shower, you, like, get in imaginary fights in your head? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I feel like she is. Obviously. Obviously. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. Don't make it seem like you also have not, like, gone through oh, I've done that say before. to somebody oh, yeah, in your head. Know. We all have. It was just yeah, from a joke. Those the mental shower fights. Yeah. Where you get yourself like, all I worked hope, up. I hope they come at me sideways because I will give them a piece of my mind. And this is exactly and what I'm going to say. And then they don't. And then you're like, damn it. Yeah. And then you get yourself all worked up nice for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick. I think this is the last story about COVID-19. I hope. I just want to give a sh- uh, I Like Andrew was saying, all the news right now is about it. But there's some uplifting stories that have been regarding this in terms of like what the industry is doing. Nintendo donated nearly 10,000 respirator masks to American healthcare workers. So good job, Nintendo. Teachers That's are great. using Half-Life Alex. Well, at least one teacher is Half-Life Alex to deliver their lessons in VR. So I saw the brief like photos and video of this. And it looks like they're teaching geometry this teacher was and that's like my fuck i hated that topic in high school i hated that subject so much talking about like angles and like vectors and all sorts of shit but still still very cool that like see, people I are getting it so innovative it visual and i could understand the visual i <laughs> uh, see i was an algebra girl i loved algebra mm-hmm. but i did not get the geometry i don't care about uh, your the opposite parallelograms or whatever maybe that, i don't remember it was a long time ago and then minecraft yeah. is offering free education packs to kids stuck at home which is a really cool thing they have they have these educational programs and systems i guess that kids can download and they'll teach you about you know i don't know all sorts of shit so if you have yeah, kids I, I and they're bored too. there you go 
And one more thing to add to that, um, it's part of our, in case you missed it, but you're talking about, you know, kind of feel good things happening in the video game industry in response to the pandemic. Um, Plague Inc. is a game that's been around for a really long time. And we were going to talk about that in, in case you missed it. But essentially, you know, they've been getting a lot of attention um, since COVID-19 first came onto the world stage. And um, because of its increased popularity, um, the developer said that they voluntarily made a $250,000 donation, which was split between the Coalition of Epidemic Preparedness Innovations and the World Health Organization's COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund. Uh, A quote from the team said, we are proud to be able to help and support the vital work of the WHO and the CEPI as they work towards funding a vaccine for COVID-19. And that quote came from James Vaughn, who is the creator of the game. Very, very cool. So now on to more uplifting video games. Silent Hill. Konami shoots down recent rumors of a reboot. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Konami has denied, this comes from IGN, Konami has denied that it is working on a new Silent Hill game following numerous rumors suggesting the series would be returning. Talking to Rely on Horror, I almost said Rely on Humor, a Konami US PR spokesperson said, we're well aware of the, I fucked it up, we're aware of all the rumors and reports, but can confirm they are not true. I know it's not the answer your fans may want to hear. It's not to say we are completely closing the door on the franchise, just not in the way it is being reported, they added. Recent rumors pointed to two new projects in the Silent Hill series, which were allegedly set to soft reboot the franchise. One would be a new game in the series, while the other would be an episodic game with gameplay akin to Until Dawn and Man of Medan. This rumor was quickly followed by teases that Kojima Productions is also working on Silent Hills. Reliant Horror pressed further for further details regarding these projects specifically, but Konami has provided no further response. The resulting picture is that it appears Konami may want to visit Silent Hill at some point, but the direction it will take is not what recent rumors and speculation has suggested. Wah, wah. Does that mean you owe Andrea a drink? It means I owe What's Good Games a bottle of alcohol. Well, granted, no, 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 it, well... We still have. We have until the end of the year. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, but as of right now, Andrea's in the lead. So it's looking like I will be buying us a drink, which is very sad. It's a very sad bet that we constructed, and it's very unfortunate. <laughs> I really yeah, want to read all the next of us, story. But <laughs> also, I just want to say real quick, Konami is the same studio that once said Hideo Kojima was on a vacation and that he had not been fired. I mean, it's a different kind of vacation. <laughs> Okay. I mean, maybe maybe he at the time he hadn't been, and then he was like, "Yeah, fuck you." And then they're like, "Well, actually, we take it back. You are fired." Actually, uh, take your PTO and shove it. Bye. They're like, "Bye. You're on vacation. LOL. You've been canned." So we'll see. Yes. But the plot thickens. The fog thickens, if you will. It does indeed. <laughs> we do not know which way Silent Hill they come at us. Ooh, that's what she said. Uh, Steimer, go yeah, for it. I really, <laughs> I just love this headline <laughs> so much. This is from IGN. Final Fantasy VII Remake's cloud can be, quote, a bit lame, says Ryan. Ah. The writer of Final Fantasy VII Remake has revealed that he has scripted the new version of Cloud to show a different side of the character, noting that he is nervous about how fans will receive the change. Talking in a new Inside Final Fantasy VII Remake documentary video, story and scenario writer... Oh, shit. Kazushige <laughs> Nojima, who is one of the returning developers from the original game, explained that Remake has allowed him to explore Cloud's personality further. Quote, For this game, I have gone much deeper into the inner psychology of Cloud, the main character. 
In the original, I depicted him as a cool, stylish character. However, this time, he can miss the mark and be a little cringeworthy at times. His cool facade can often slip. Because he wants people to accept him and respect him, he puts on a front. So when he doesn't know something, he just goes, not interested. (laughs) I have written him in a way that makes you think that not interested might not be a cool thing to say, but can sometimes be a bit lame. I am nervous about whether the fans will accept that or not. Cloud isn't the only character remake is revealing more about. In the same video, co-director Motomu... Toriyama, Toriyama, damn it, I need to take this Japanese app that you have, <laughs> uh, revealed that the game will provide more information about Aerith. Quote, in remake, we actually reveal quite a major untold part of Aerith's past. You might not even catch it all. This is, uh, I mean, I'm sure some of this is translation too, because, you know, we just have different words than, yes. in, 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 yeah, right. But at the same time, I think this if you look at this from a general perspective, I think this makes a lot of sense. Cloud is a very, and I'm not going to spoil anything. I know this game's old, but people are probably going to experience it for the first time, so whatever. But he's a very troubled character, and after you've played the game, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think the fact that this is a returning developer from the original game, but he wants to explore Cloud's psychology, I think that was the quote. Yeah, psychology of Cloud. I think that's perfect. I think that will be great for him, and I think it's warranted. Uh, a bit lame like you know he says cloud has always been kind of like a cool facade but cloud always kind of came across as a heartless asshole until like obviously the story unravels and then you learn some shit and then it, oh okay that makes sense so um yeah i mean this is good i think this That's is how i love it when people are just cold assholes and then you learn something about them and you're like oh all right yeah okay like yeah i can forgive you i understand what, well i don't even know if it's that you just <laughs> you know? it's like ah this is why you are the way that you are. Why and I have not, I've never finished Final Fantasy VII. I always, I played like, honestly, probably only 20% of it. Oh, yeah, you should, I mean, if you have interest. it's. I do, it's, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to play the remake. Fun oh, show. okay. because okay, yeah. I think, yeah, because the remake is obviously just Midgar, so getting to the point of, like, we discover Cloud is going probably not going to come out for another, like, four or five years at this well, pace. Well, <laughs> I will forget all about Cloud, and then I will re- <laughs> remember Cloud later, and I don't know. It'll be an interesting, <laughs> interesting journey. Interesting journey. We have a question from Mitch Krasin, who says... With the record amount, patreon.com slash what'sgoodgames, with the record amount of people staying home, do you think games like Final Fantasy VII have a better or worse chance to sell better? There's more people to play the games, but no real access to physical copies easily. I don't actually think it's the access to physical copies that's a problem. I think it's money. I think it's people not necessarily having budget for games at this time. If you are somebody who is out of work right now, the last thing you're probably going to want to spend 60 bucks on is a video game, especially one uh, like Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is a only part of the game. So I think if you were going to buy a video game at this time and you were on a budget, you would probably spend your money on either a little bit here and there on free-to-play games, like a Call of Duty or a whatever Fortnite um, sort of experience, just because you, you're just trying to make stretch that dollar. Stretch it as far as it'll go. And this for games like this, it is not the kind of game that lends itself very well to that. Um, so that is that is the part I see being a potential problem for games right now. Yeah, I could you- see Final Fantasy VII going either way. I think this is a game that people have been looking forward to a very long time. I mean, literally since like, I don't even know how long, 20 years, maybe-ish. Maybe that's a little long. Anyway, around that realm. A, a remake or like something to do with this game since it originally released. And... 
I think, though, if people are going to spend money on a game, I would argue that Final Fantasy VII might be the one because I think it's something that has been so anticipated for so long that people are looking for a little bit of blip of happiness. And perhaps a lot of folks have already pre-ordered and paid off. Um, but, like, I'm with you, Samurai. I think it just depends on the situation. Like, what situation you're in. I think right now, as we're going to see with the Animal Crossing numbers below, I think people are looking for an escape and looking to kind of, you know, get their mind off of shit going down. And Final Fantasy VII, although it is a remake, you know, there are a lot of new um, features added, some new areas, some locations, some expanded lore, and it is still going to be a full-size game. Like, I think they're saying, what, 40 or something hours. So, Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, when you actually budget it down, I think games in general always get a bad rap. Like, they are consistently one of the best bang for your buck out there. Uh, but I do think if, yeah, if you were a family on a budget or whatever right now, you might look at it and be like, eat, maybe, yeah. maybe not at this time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting looking at where where the industry is in relationship to how Doom and Animal Crossing did. And, like, I think that, you know, there's obviously, like, an argument to be made about have people having their Doom and their Animal Crossing games pre-ordered or potentially paid for in advance. But I think on one hand, it'll be interesting to watch to see how they do from a sales perspective. But on the other, how they're going to do from a distribution because Square Enix is definitely a brick-and-mortar retailer. They release almost everything at retail. And we saw just how devastating it was for people who had their Animal Crossing like orders like canceled at the last minute. And then they were like, well, I paid for it to be shipped by, you know, Target, Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, whoever, to get like an actual disc shipped to, to them or a game card, whatever. And they then they didn't get it. And then if they wanted to play, they either had to try to get a refund from the person they bought it from or they had to just buy it again digitally. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. have to go through the process of returning the game, you know, when it finally arrives. Yeah. And like... That's unfortunate for people. And I think I never anticipated something like a worldwide pandemic would push people into digital quicker. But we talked about this last week on the show, too, that like maybe this is it. Maybe this is what forces everybody to upgrade. I mean, we're still restricted even more so now by telecoms and ISPs throttling people. It's worse now than it ever has been because everybody's on their, you know, their home networks all at the same time. But it's like really the only option. Like how else are you going to get to play it unless you download it digitally? Right. Yeah. And we talked about last week too. They're saying that if you did pre-order Final Fantasy VII physical, there is a chance. I mean they are getting delayed. So it just depends. Like Andrea said, is it easy to cancel? And if so, I think those same people are going to go digital. And if they're crazy like me, they'll probably get physical and digital. That's ooh. what she said. Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> oh. Ooh. 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 I don't know how that works, but, you know, it sounds interesting. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Lame cloud in physical and digital. It's great. All right. To wrap it up for the week, let's talk about what you may have missed. So at, on What's Good Games Live, we covered a bunch of topics from over the weekend. So if you guys are like, well, hey, what about this thing? Why aren't you guys talking about this? We probably covered it on the previous episode. You should check that out. Um, Britt, you also put something in here. So I'm laughing um, yeah. at this Thomas the Tank mod. I haven't seen it. You want to read? You want to read yeah, that read one? It, yeah. Okay. Okay. So modders have already put Thomas the Tank engine in Resident Evil 3's demo. This is coming from USGamer.net, and I'm watching the video. So in the demo, there's a part 
where Nemesis busts through a wall. And in this demo, it is 100% Thomas the Tank Engine busting through the wall. And it's the same fucking silly-ass jingle that's going on, and I just love it so much. It's like, Thomas the Tank Engine, I feel like your game isn't complete until there is a mod featuring this tank yeah. engine. The Skyrim one was really good. That it one makes was you the laugh funniest. So much. I love. <laughs> I love putting Thomas Tank Engine in random shit. Like if the game had that instead of Nemesis, I might play it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you but, might be able to do it on PC. Get that controller right? support going, baby girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it works. God. You can do. Con- I tried it. You can do controller support on Steam in Resident Evil, and it doesn't matter because it's not like you're playing a PvP shooter. Oh my so, god, Samer, you'll have to watch this video when you have a minute. It is so fucking funny. I just thought with the fucking whistles, too. And they're like, burr, burr. And they're Oh my like, gosh. Oh my god. Uh, moving on, via Famitsu, Animal Crossing New Horizon sold 1.8 million retail copies, 1.88 million copies, in its first three days of release in Japan. This number includes physical game copies, download cards, and the Animal Crossing New Horizon Switch bundle, but does not include digital sales via the Nintendo eShop. That's where I buy mine. Yeah, New Horizons has now surpassed Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield's 1.36 million units as the best-selling opening week for a Switch title in Japan. The Switch's hardware sales were 390,000, which is higher than the console's launch week. I wrote that in and I had really bad grammar, my bad. Uh, Obviously, Animal Crossing is doing very, very well. And we have a question from patreon.com slash what's good games, the Lila Lugo. Do we think Animal Crossing's huge success is partially due to the game being just the right of relaxation and escapism during this tough time. Similarly, do we think games taking any place, oh, taking place in any sort of apocalyptic setting like RE3 or The Last of Us 2 may do less well because they're heavy and maybe a bit too close to reality? I'm going to play either anyway. I'm just hoping things improve. I mean, I think Animal Crossing was always going to do really well. There was a lot of hype around this game before all of, you know, quarantine happened. Um but I do think that there probably is an element to it where, yeah, Animal Crossing, If you, especially if you don't know anything about Animal Crossing, you're like, it's an adorable game. Look at this cute shit. Look at these animals. It seems relaxing. It's, yeah, whatever. You know, like, you're just like, sure, let me go to this dumb island and hang out with anthropomorphic animals it sounds like a great fucking time because i'm currently alone in my house and cannot do anything yeah it's it kind of reminds me to a lesser skill i would say as the pokemon go phase where your timeline was nothing but pokemon go for that moment you know for Dude, the timeline months. is yeah just animal crossing it is just Animal Crossing, and you're seeing people visit each other's islands and sending letters and sending gifts and talking about how cute and relaxing it is. But I was bit by a tarantula and I died, and that was, or I fainted, and that was actually I was like, not. You didn't die, but yeah. I, I, I fainted, and that was not relaxing at all. But I think that has a lot to do with it, too. I mean, a lot of people are home and they're just kind of going to social media and they're seeing all these photos and all these folks talking about how relaxing the game is, how much fun they're having. And I would say, yeah, it definitely does impact the sales of the game some people who probably weren't interested in it like you're saying somewhere are seeing it and they're like okay this looks relaxing i'm gonna give it a shot not only that it does in a way give you um more of a chance for social interaction right like because you can go to your friends islands you can have whatever i've seen people on twitter with fake birthday or not fake but you know like online birthday parties or like gatherings or whatever in the game because you just can't see anybody right now um so i think that the game just fucking coincidentally allows you to have all this shit at the time where you can't have it in real life so Mm -hmm. that you know expands upon it but i don't know about re3 or tlu like 
it's possible, but I feel like those games, again, it's, we're going to have to see well, what the climate of the world at those times of launch, but. I think it's something worth, you know, exploring down the line because I've had some people say to me that they don't understand how I can keep playing the division two and the division two was literally about an infectious outbreak and the fall of society from an infectious disease. And, you know, when you run around DC, you see these like makeshift hospitals with these beds set up in tents and like it does kind of make it a little bit hard to swallow when you're thinking about the you know correlations of wh- what that means for society now now to be clear like the green flu and the division is nothing like covid-19 and while covid-19 is a very serious illness and is causing a lot of deaths worldwide it is not the same kind of pandemic that is created in the fictional world of tom clancy right and you know they made it much more dramatic for the sake of it being fictionalized and I think for me, I still look at The Division 2 as being so fantasy-based that I don't have a problem playing it. And I don't know if some of that is just a little bit of narrative numbness because I've played so many hours of that game. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, like the story is important, of course, and I think it's interesting. And there was much more story in The Division 2 than there was in The Division 1. But it doesn't bother me playing it, but I absolutely can see why somebody would feel triggered by playing a game like The Division Two. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be. I think The Last of Us Two would be harder because it is. It. I mean, that game is story, right? That is the whole focus of the game. Whereas I do feel like you could kind of tune it out in The Division, and really, if you're like, this is really just me hanging out with my friends, going around a, like doing a looter shooter, fun, whatever. I feel like you yeah. could easily disengage, whereas I don't think you're going to be able to do that at all in Silu. Um, yeah. And no. it's honestly, the game already has been upsetting me, like just with the stuff that they've shown already. So, yeah, like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to play that game right now. Just being <laughs> it's real. Hard. Like, it's, yeah, I it's feel crazy. like I might not. I feel like I might wait until things are a little better. Then give it yeah. a go. Yeah, again, like, I think it just comes down to personal preference, right? Like, what makes you tick and what doesn't? Like, Resident Evil 3 demo, very relaxing to me. And that is all about an outbreak that has, you know, wiped out an entire city. Granted, they turn into zombies and there's weird survival mechanics with, you know, puzzles and item management. So there is kind of like that. It's not like Tilu in the sense that I don't think it's so anchored in reality. Whereas, like, you're saying, you know, Tilu anchored in reality but andrea is able to play the division two which a lot of people aren't so it's just yeah i'll i'll preference but i can see i can see games taking a hit to some extent maybe not like a huge hit but a hit nonetheless yeah. i don't think they're gonna take a hit like movies are gonna take a hit right no. like movies oh, are taking yeah. a hit because theatrical releases aren't possible and while i think it's awesome to see the film industry pivot to digital also like maybe you just start doing digital releases alongside theatrical and let people decide if they want to go to the theater or watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah, that's... Yeah, because there's people like me who just don't go to the theater regardless of what you do. I there's like a that lot idea more a lot, movies actually. I would buy. Yeah. yeah, because there's a ton of movies that I just... I, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I can't be bothered to go to the theater to watch that, but I'll eventually pay for it to rent it or to stream it. Like, it's rare that I want to see a movie and I wait until it's on a free streaming option. Like, it's part of my free Netflix or part of my free HBO. If there's a movie that I miss in the theater that I want to watch, I have absolutely no problem paying for digital access or digital renting when it's brand new, whether that be, like, the $20 fee 
or like the higher rental fee because I'm like, yeah, I want to see it. And it still ends up being cheaper than going to a movie theater in a metro like Los Angeles, you know, like where you can't even go to a matinee for like less than $12 a ticket. <laughs> so plus a convenience fee, plus parking, you know, plus a $10 popcorn and a $10 soda and boom, there you are. It's like a $50 movie. Yeah. I wonder if that would actually benefit the movie industry. I don't know enough about it, obviously, but I'm thinking about, you know, all let's say the ring four is coming, you know, to digital theaters and, actual physical theaters worldwide, I would love to make a little mini event of that, right? Where I like plan for it, it streams, movie night. But sometimes what I find is like, I won't miss, I won't be able to go to the theater to see these movies. And by the time they come to Netflix or Xfinity or whatnot, I forget about them. And then I just never see them anyway. So they never get my money. Yeah. I, I only see movies on planes. But I can't, not now anymore, obviously, but that, I mean, that's where I see a lot of things. It's like international flights. And so I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that movie. Guess I'll watch it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it makes sense for a lot of movies, but obviously doesn't make sense for giant blockbuster movies. Like you wouldn't see that for like an Avengers or like a Star Wars, right? Like, or like a Fast 9, right? Like they are still going to make those like theater exclusives to milk those like IMAX screenings and 3D and Real D and Dolby and all the different ways that you can get premium uh, theater experiences. But I think it makes sense for the vast majority of feature films that are released. You know, your rom-coms, your horrors, your like Dude, give me all of the rom-coms right now. I want to watch stupid fucking movies. That's all I want to watch. Hallmark Channel, baby girl. Hallmark Channel. Yeah. I mean, I don't have cable. Oh. YouTube, baby girl, YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. And standard definition. Yeah. You get it in 480p only. (laughs) You know what? That's all I need. It doesn't matter. You got to watch it in four by three, like the good old days. Good old days. All right. Um, One last, in case you missed it, before we go into our first break. British gaming studio Splash Damage has announced that it is working on an unannounced Google Stadia exclusive. Unfortunately, the developers won't be sharing any details on the project quite yet, but promise more details in the coming months. Remember Stadia, ladies? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Splash Damage. You can't remember something that never went away. Oh. It's just there. It's just a thing. I'm mostly known, I think, for the multiplayer on Gears is my recollection. Well, of what Splash they Damage, so they did a game that I really love that went kind of under the radar called Brink, which you may oh, remember. Oh, my yeah. God, Brink. Dude, yeah, they were selling copies of that for like four bucks at Best Buy, and I bought like 10 of them, <laughs> and I gave them all away. I loved Brink, yeah. and I thought that it was misunderstood, and a lot of people <laughs> didn't get a chance to play it. They also had a multiplayer, I think a 5v5 semi-recently that I am going to look up now. Splash Damage Games Developed. Recently, we have Gears Tactics, which is, oh, that's coming out. Halo, the Master Chief Collection PC version, Gears 5 Multiplayer, Gears of War 4 Multiplayer, they did Gears of War Ultimate Edition, Tempo, Dirty Bomb Multiplayer, and Arkham Origins, Brink, Quake Wars, Doom 3 Multiplayer, Wolfenstein Enemy Territory, and now we're all the way back in 2002. Oh my god. Yeah, Dirty Bomb was the name of the game that I was thinking of. Um, Dirty Bomb. So that was kind of, um, it had like a cult following, but it was kind of a short-lived game um, as well. There's just like so much competition in the online multiplayer space that you really either have to come with a unique concept or the gameplay has got to be so phenomenally good that, you know, people have to pick it up and play it. 
Um, that's why it'll be interesting to see, you know, it feels like there's a couple of different shooters. Like one of the new ones that came out this week that I'm excited to try is Bleeding Edge mm-hmm. from Ninja Theory that um, was launched this week and is available on Xbox. And I haven't really played any of it. I've heard about it. I've seen it played at, uh, at one show that I was at, but haven't really tried it a lot myself. But I feel like so many of these hero-based shooters come and go, but people just keep going back to Overwatch you know, and they or they keep going back to their squad based games like Rainbow Six or they'll go back, you know, to the other multiplayer games that are kind of tried and true for them, whether it be mm-hmm. Call of Duty or Fortnite or PUBG or CSGO, whatever their shooter of choice is. That isn't the new thing. I feel like the last new IP that really made a splash was probably Apex, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like what, a year, a year ago? It was a, yeah, it was a year ago. A yearish, yeah. No, it's. I right? think you're right, like, though. I think this- <laughs> I don't know if it was it a whole year ago. I don't. No, remember. it was definitely at least a year ago. I just can't remember if it was two years ago. Wait, was it? Time no, is a it was, time is a flat circle, they, and I never they know. Won, they won best online. Did, was that last online year? game of the it year? It was definitely Brittany last year. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was last year. I was like, Brittany and I handed them handed Vince that award oh. at the Dice Awards. Well, no, like there you go. It was definitely last year. I'm wondering, has it been? Was it like March of 2019? It was has February. It- no, it was February. Holy shit. That's insane. I just, to me, all yeah, of the man. years are starting to melt together, so I don't uh, <laughs> I never actually know. Wow. Yeah. Soon exactly. all of the all of the days will melt together more. I was talking to somebody and I was like, March has felt like a year. And uh she reminded me, yeah, we came back from PAX this month. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Oh, it's it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Time is a flat circle, as you like to say, Steimer. Mm-hmm. And now my husband's saying that all the time, too. Speaking of it being time and you don't know what time it is, this is a weird segue. <laughs> We're going to take our first break of the show and probably our only break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, including Animal Crossing New Horizons. You knew we were going to talk about it. Um, I put my Oculus Quest headset back on for the first time in a long time. And spoilers, Brittany's been playing more Yakuza, which she talked about on What's Good Games Live. And there's a game that she can't talk about, so she's not going to talk about that. But Animal Crossing, everybody, stick with us. We'll be right back. What's good, everybody? Welcome back. It's the What's Good Games podcast segment two. And this is where we talk about what we've been playing or any preview events that we have been to. And since there are no events right now, it's all about working from home and playing video games. And this week is brought to you by Pretty Litter. So you guys probably have heard me talk about my two amazing cats on the show. They've made appearances from time to time. And if you follow me on Instagram, you definitely have seen videos and photos of them. I love my boys. They're great. But what I don't love about my boys is that I have to deal with litter. It's every cat owner's bane, but we endure because our little fuzzy friends are so adorable that we'll deal with the litter. But... I've got some good news. There's options. If you have been unhappy with the litter that you're using, have you contemplated Pretty Litter? So let's talk about my test run with Pretty Litter that I've been doing. It's a kitty litter reinvented. And unlike traditional litter, Pretty Litter's super tight 
oh, excuse me, super light crystals is the word that I was trying to use there. Uh, trap odor and release moisture resulting in dry, low-maintenance litter that doesn't smell. Pretty litter is virtually dust-free because it's manufactured with a specialized de-dusting process. And less dust means less fuss. Pretty Litter also spares my sanity and storage space because it's shipped in a small lightweight bag that lasts an entire month. That means no more bulky containers or frequent trips to the store. And as much as I appreciate an impromptu workout, hauling 40 pounds of cat litter around the store isn't what I would call idea. Cat owners out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know why regular clay litter has to be so heavy, but it is. But good news, pretty litter isn't. In fact, when the box arrived, I was like, there's no way there's enough litter in here. And I was like, oh, dang, it's just <laughs> it's just really that light. But above all else, here's why Pretty Litter is a pet parent's hero. It's a health indicator. Pretty Litter monitors my cat's health by changing colors when it detects potential underlying issues. You won't find that kind of innovation in conventional litter. You guys may have seen on my Instagram that my little boy Ghost has been dealing with heart disease for about a year and a half now. And the thing about animals, cats in particular, is that they hide their illnesses really well. They never want their owners to know when they're not feeling good. And sometimes by the time an owner finds out that something's gone wrong with their kitty, it's too late to do anything about it. And that's honestly the origin story of how Pretty Litter came into being is that you know, the guy who invented it was like, yo, my cat could have potentially have been, you know, saved and had a longer, healthier life if I had known something was going on sooner. Because turns out cat's not going to tell you. You got to figure it out on your own or find out when it's too late. And the thing about Pretty Litter is that it's got special crystals that detect the pH in your cat's urine. So you can tell if it's too alkaline um, or too acidic or too base uh, based off the chemistry there's a whole bunch of science words that I <laughs> don't want to get scale. wrong. Yes, that's right. The pH scale. Science words that I don't want to get wrong. Um, and particularly with my baby ghost, now that he's been on diuretics for his you know, heart disease for a long time, it's affecting his kidneys, which means that you know, urine is a really important thing. Not to go down this weird TMI situation talking about my cat's pee, but listen, we're talking about litter, everybody. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story boring. It's important to keep track of what's happening in the litter box because it means that you could potentially spare your kitty some pain and spend more time with them because you caught a potentially devastating illness early. So if you are concerned about what's happening in the litter box or maybe you just want less dust or maybe you just want litter that's easier to manage, I encourage you to check out Pretty Litter. And you can do so with our special offer by visiting prettylitter.com and use our promo code what's good for 20% off your first order. That's pretty litter, P R E T T Y L I T T E R.com. Promo code what's good for 20% off. Again, one more time, prettylitter.com. Promo code what's good. And then you can be just as obsessed with beautiful litter as I am. Mm. All right, so who wants to go first? I think, Steimer, you probably have to talk about Animal Crossing New Horizons oh, first. I mean... And just as a reminder for people who missed our streams over the weekend, if you aren't part of our legendary membership or above, Steimer streamed her Animal Crossing island, and I learned way more about Animal Crossing than I think I've ever learned before. <laughs> and that's interesting that you learned it from me because I feel like I'm actually terrible at Animal Crossing, 
but I still enjoy it. So like, I'm just, I'm an animal crossing noob, right? This is the first animal crossing I've, uh, participated in. I was really excited about this one. It seemed like a game I would like, and it definitely is a game that I like because it is, sound weird but like it's just that kind of mindless repetition or like okay and then like sandboxy you're like i want to build it like this or whatever you kind of can just futz around and play it the way that you want to so i see people like amaris and her town is like whoa hyper organized she has like stamps on the ground indicating what kind of tree is what kind of fruit Fruit. i like she has money trees she knows how to catch tarantulas she knows like whoo like she's the Wikipedia of Animal Crossing compared to me, who's just like country bumpkin over here can't follow anything. <laughs> yes. Um, can we talk for a second about the tarantulas? So oh, I sure. saw a video <laughs> of somebody that somebody posted their gameplay, and they and they were like running away from a tarantula that was chasing them around their island. Yeah. And so like, are they bad? Are they good? Do you like so them? What's the I the haven't had any tarantulas in my game yet, and I want them because they're they're worth money so that's the that's the thing they will come at you and like attack you oh yeah but if you can catch them they're worth cash they're worth cash, I think cash 8, money thousand bells is what i heard and so last night as i was playing this game trying to fall asleep uh i came across a, a critter turns out that critter was a tarantula and i walked up to it missed it with my net it like bit me i passed out and i was like oh my god that was terrifying and then it was gone so i couldn't seek my revenge but what i've been seeing and maybe you've seen this too is people have been using their shovel to dig holes and it like acts uh-huh. like it's a makeshift barrier right and so what you it's do it's like a moat you just moat, moat yourself yeah, in yeah, <laughs> yeah you aggro the tarantula and then you run to your makeshift moat and then you catch those little fuckers cuz they can't get over the holes in the ground Huh. Yeah, but Steimer, didn't didn't your experience with real world IRL tarantulas teach us that they don't in fact harm you if you get bitten? By oh, them? like they would never in a million years run at you. <laughs> like that's this is not normal behavior for a tarantula whatsoever. <laughs> the tarantula okay. would run under a rock or like try and get the fuck away from you. It would not be coming at you. <laughs> um, and yeah, also if it like if it did do that, it, touching it, which is all it's really doing, is touching your shoe would not make you pass out. I mean, I guess unless you were, like, super arachnophobic and then you just fainted because of the overstimulation. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, but, yeah, no, that's what I thought when I first started seeing these. I was like, oh, my God, what? Tarantulas don't do that. <laughs> really and they're weird. huge for scale. They're, like, the size of your feet. Yeah, they are big boys. Um, but, yeah, I haven't – I don't – again, I'm, like, I'm bad at Animal Crossing, which is sad, but I, I'm, like, not there yet. My game has not spawned these yet. I do just kind of, especially now, the first few days I played a lot. Um, and then I now I'm kind of like logging on and making sure I do not my chores, but like do the things that I want to do every day and then kind of like log off waiting for some of the things to spawn. Although now I got my uh, museum, Blathers has a museum, so I can like go around and collect all the things on the island and give them to him so he can be an owl and be excited about it. I don't know. but So, so Steimer... <laughs> Not to interrupt, but for folks that follow What's Good Games and that maybe aren't as active on social media as we are and seeing Animal Crossing just bombarding their feeds, how would you describe Animal Crossing New Horizons as a game? Animal Crossing New Horizons is deceptive. (laughs) So it appears to be a very cute, charming game where you build a little house on a little island and you make little animal friends and you, you know 
have a simple life of shaking fruit trees and picking up things off the ground and crafting them in your, in your house. But, uh, then, yeah, then it has like such a deeper level of if you want to min max this thing, like Amaris, like I've seen everybody on social media doing where they just have absolutely insane houses, insane setups. It's crazy the amount of creativity that goes into this, that can go into it. So it's almost like Lego is a bad example, but maybe um, like a dream scenario or something else where like the more creative, you can kind of like a fallout where people build their houses or their towns, like towns out of their houses in fallout. Yeah. Kind of like that. Although I think you have a little more flexibility here in Animal Crossing. There's a lot more styles you can choose from. uh, And you can also custom built like custom put things in the game so you can make make your favorite jacket in this game and you can <gasps> like or you could make a game shirt exactly or you can make a, a what's good games shirt like somebody did and now i'm wearing around the town um but yeah for me like if you looked at my town right now you'd be zero percent impressed with it it's really not <laughs> i was impressed with it when i saw it oh thanks i mean it's- that's not high praise coming from me because i'm just got out of my tent but oh yeah it's yeah right I- like I think the thing with Animal Crossing, it's the hardest part for me is that there's really no point to this game. It really is just <laughs> about, it, it's really just about like, like Simon was saying, you know, you can take it as you want, but it's just about living your life on an island, continually upgrading, earning miles, traveling around, like making your shit look good. That's my understanding of it. And that's been the issue that I've had with this game is I don't have any directive. And, and I've said this before, but it's not like, you know, Story of Seasons or, or Stardew Valley where there is kind of like an over goal, right? Like there's a friendship meter with the town. There's like the possibility of, you know, building romance uh, with the town, with the citizens and having kids and like, you know, having all these cool new animals and like making so much, making so much money that you can buy all these awesome rad things. And I guess to some sort of extent, it's like that. But this is literally just about living on an island. And I found that during the day, I don't have much, um, I don't have any real urges to play it during the day, but at night, like as I'm in bed and just kind of unwinding, that's when it sounds good. Cause I know it's just a bunch of mindless repetition. Like Simon was saying that, I, that you're going to be doing, it's like, okay, I'm going to go shake these trees. I'm going to go catch these bugs, talk to everyone, go through my nook miles plus, which are essentially daily tasks that you can do to get miles. And then it's like, okay. then I go to bed, I wake up and then like I go on with my life. But at night, I think is when I'm enjoying this game the most because I feel like I'm just trying to unwind anyway. But during the day, I'm thinking of all these like narrative driven games I can be playing. So it's kind of like a weird thing. But I think I have found my jam with Animal Crossing. And that's just to play in bed before I go to sleep. Yeah, it's a so the Nook Miles is a good thing to bring up, too. Yeah. So this is a newer sort of currency in this game. Uh, Bells are the same. They're still there. But Nook miles are things that you earn by doing things in the game. It's not super directive, but it does give you some idea of like what you can mm-hmm. or should be doing, which is nice, especially because I think there are a lot new of new people coming to the game at this time. So like you start off with just the main Nook miles missions, which are really simple things like you get miles for showing up on the island. Woohoo. Uh, but then as you go further, it, unlocks nook miles plus which are are like as Brittany said more of the daily tasks not even daily they they basically complete as soon as you do the thing so it might just be 
something as easy as catch five butterflies and mm-hmm. you can just catch five of any type of butterfly and it will complete and you can knock it out and then another one will refresh in its place. So it kind of constantly gives you little things to be doing if you are feeling like maybe you don't quite know what to do right now, but you just want like to do something dumb that feels productive. You can do those and then be like, ha I checked something off the list. Great. Got an extra couple hundred miles and now I can go do whatever. But, um, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying it. I need to go to someone's island now and sell my peaches. Oh, girl, I've I'll take your peaches so all day, every day. Peaches. Yeah, I got apples. I got apples. Oh, ooh, good. See, that's so I asked. I was like, I uh, my friend Raz. I was like, hey, I need to come to your island because, and I stupidly didn't check with him to see what what he had on his island. So I went over there and I went to go sell, and it, they were like, it was super low. They were like, they will give you like four thousand for like forty peaches, and I was like, excuse you? Oh, Hell oh, no! So I oh. said no. And I backed out, and then I was like, "Wait, Raz, what, what, what fruit do you have on this island?" And he was like, "Peaches." <laughs> Son of a bitch! Gotcha. So there's like there are little things where again, yeah, if you are an Animal Crossing newbie like me, you don't know these are things that I learned from people who are good at Animal Crossing. But there is such like a interesting economic system. So if you are, it's all about supply and demand. So it really does actually teach you economics. Um, so if your island, yeah, has peaches as the main trade, guess what? They're worth jack shit on your island. But then mm-hmm. you go to, you know, say Brittany's island, whose main uh, import is apples. And, you know, that I can go sell my peaches to her and I can make way more money there. And she can come to my <laughs> island and sell her apples at my island. I and love video games. Money. This is ridiculous. <laughs> supply and demand baby yeah oh, not to mention like the debt you get saddled with every time you upgrade yeah yeah it's like so here's I- debt but it's no interest but here's a lot of debt take it i mean i wish the debt worked like that i'm not gonna lie if i could just, just take like, out a loan no, and yeah. have zero interest and paid off whatever i fucking felt like it that'd be amazing like these are the world's greatest loans you know there's no payment schedule it's literally like you walk up to the atm and pay it when you feel like it the only gate is like then you can't you can't you can only have one loan at a time which like who cares of course it's like makes sense um so yeah. you can't break the system and accrue massive amounts of debts you only can have one debt at a time um but i'm like this system is actually pretty dope can we can we so, use it we have so i saw someone in my twitter timeline owes tom nook like three hundred and eighty thousand dollars or three hundred eighty thousand yeah, bell, bells yeah um so what's like the highest debt that you've had so far oh right now i'm well, I paid off like 20,000 of it, but I'm 170,000 bills because I upgraded the house to a bigger size house. And then you can add on rooms that will also be more. And then I think that so you're doing a real estate investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am making real estate investments. Um, I don't know. Like, I haven't figured out how to get my town square to be a real town square yet. I assume that that's coming. But I have successfully built the store. I've built the museum. I'm waiting for like residents to move in i want to have some fun new neighbors and see what they look like because i just have frida the cheeseburger lady and then donkey kong fake boy so <laughs> i have the seagull and i don't know what else oh yeah there. the seagull that's like drunk on the beach no no no, no. Oh, maybe it's not one. a seagull it's like an eagle i got stung by a wasp and he, he looked at me he's like i'm looking at something i don't really want to look at right now oh god that's uh, you and then, like, he te- oh. then he teaches you how to make Aww. medicine though no, he didn't. <gasps> he didn't want a butt. 
No, oh, I'm literally no. walking around with a swollen eye and no one is helping me, Simer. No one's oh my helping God. me. I think after a certain number of times you get stung, somebody will teach you. So oh my God. I got stung like three or four times and then somebody was like, <laughs> you look a mess. You should learn how to make medicine <sighs> because the recipe is literally the hornet's nest that falls and a clump, like a bunch of weeds. And that's it. Yeah. It's really easy to make. It's really bad. I named my city Raccoon City, but how I did it was R A. Like, that wouldn't fit. <laughs> yeah, R A K, and then the I don't know what it's called. Sorry, ignorant here. The German U with the little two dots on top. I think it's a German U. Oh U. yeah. So it's like Raccoon City. So I'm gonna try to convert my island into like into like a, a death apocalyptic island so it's all like nice so maybe the swollen eye fits with the theme i'm not sure it does i think we have a we have a question from devin knits patreon.com slash what's good games for every wednesday i pull for questions and then you submit them and then i insert them into the document it's magic devin asks do you think you will stick with playing animal crossing for the long haul or drop off sooner rather than later also what's your favorite chore to do on the game thanks as always i think i will um because it's not going to be a game that i binge it's just for me, it's not a bingey game. And okay, pro tip that I just learned from Amaris on Twitter. <laughs> you can make money trees. Okay, I and saw so, that. What so you know how sometimes along the ground you'll see like a glowing gold thing and like you dig yeah, it up and there's a bag that? of money. If you plant money in it, a money tree grows. <gasps> Why don't they tell you this? It's bullshit. <laughs> Oh my god! No, I have a glowing thing, but I don't have a shovel yet. So I've been looking at it. I'm like, what is this? But you're telling me if yeah. I dig it up, it'll and grow then, into a tree. So the thing she said that I was confused by is she was like, then you have to get a bag of money, and she's like, I use ten thousand bells, and then okay. you plant ten thousand bells and cover it up and wait, and then a money tree will grow. Okay, I don't know how she's. I'm like, do you just withdraw from where? How are you making a bag of money? <laughs> well, we'll figure this out together. Sarah. I don't know. You so and I will we'll figure. We have some problem solving to do, but <laughs> if we can figure it out, then the tree will grow and sprout ten, like ten thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand. You'll make thirty thousand dollars every oh, couple fuck days. Yeah. Fuck yeah! Not I hope I stick sad. with it. I hope I stick with it. It's just uh, my whole issue is finding purpose to this game, and I know for a lot of people, the purpose is just to relax and unwind and decorate a house. But the house decorations provide no stat boosts or anything to the game, so it's like I'm like, <laughs> why no do I stats. care? I was like, what would it do? I like I, I have enough problem caring about my IRL house, let alone a house like you know in the game. But uh, we'll see. Maybe if Simer will be my senpai because she's been playing a little longer than I have, she can teach me the ways. Oh um, no, we both need Amaris as our senpai because like All right. I. The, the one thing that will make me stop playing this game is that I see people on Twitter whose stuff is way better than mine. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I got so far to go. I'm, I'm, well, it's, no, it's mostly like, man, I suck at this game. <laughs> I know. And this is a game you're not supposed to suck at. <laughs> like, there's no skill involved. I don't understand. <laughs> I just feel bad about myself. Oh no! It's Dimer. No, I don't really. Don't feel but... bad about yourself. If Animal Crossing is making you feel bad about yourself, maybe you need an Animal Crossing intervention. Yeah. Oh man, no! It's mostly Twitter that's making me feel bad about myself. How are you so, so creative? It's not, the, it's, not the, it's not the game itself. It's seeing about other people's games on social media that I'm now comparing to. Yeah, we'll get there that together, baby girl. We'll be the yeah. Animal Crossing noobs support group. And here's me over here being like, I. I don't care about Animal Crossing. That's okay. You don't have ducks to. And run, ducks and runs. Because I'm just like, my thing is like, I love that it's bringing people happiness and joy, relaxation, whatever you get out of Animal Crossing. I think that's great for you. 
there's just something about that game that's never been appealing and never will be appealing. And short of like physically giving me dollars in my hand to play it, like I'm not, I'm just not going to. So Nintendo was very kind enough to provide me with a code for the game. But I then reached out to Rihanna and said, hey, do you want to play this game and then come talk about it on the show like in a couple of weeks? And she was like, hell yeah, I'll play. And I was like, great. Um, because I was just like, I, I just, there's just something about this game that has never spoken to me that I tried pocket camp and I know everyone's like, well, pocket camp wasn't the same thing. It wasn't real animal crossing. And I was like, yeah, but like it had the bones there and it just like wasn't for me. And I don't know. I think there's just, I'm with you, Britt, in the sense that the lack of purpose, it would be frustrating for me. And that's just the type of gamer I am. But I absolutely can see how it'd be very relaxing for people to be like, you know, I just want to plant stuff and visit my friends. Go and, like, fishing. Decorate my house. Shake some trees. Um, also, some tarantulas. <laughs> full disclosure. Relaxing too. I meant to do this at the top. Uh, Nintendo also provided me with a code. So don't uh, sue me. I bought mine. So <laughs> it's like, or Stephen's <laughs> like, um, I just used my actual money to pay. I use okay. money full from expensive. my wallet. <laughs> oh man. Um, <sighs> yeah. So it was just like. One of those things. But I'm glad that you're having a good time. And I think that we should check in with your respective houses uh, once or your islands. You know, once you guys have, you know, played for like a week or two. I don't even think we're doing. switch friends. My only I switch don't... friend is my dad. So kind of like your dad's your only steam friend. My switch yeah. Friend is, yeah. So like we should <laughs> we can remedy this. We can, we can fix that. Yeah. Let's do you that because I want to sell these fucking peaches so I can pay off part of my debt. Yeah. 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 No, I think it'll be good because right now like my island is a shit show. I don't trust anyone to come but you and not judge me. Okay. Well, yeah. I've heard that people will come to your island and like dig stuff up and take it. <laughs> they like, can't. So if, if you if you invite somebody to your island you have to make them a best friend for them to be, to be able to interact with anything on your island. So, like, you can have, like, if you just come to my island, but you're not a best friend, you can't, you can't touch my shit. Like, you can't, you can't. Now, didn't me. you screw up Greg's flowers? Yes, I am best friends with Greg. Uh... So, I, this was an accident. I didn't know. I was just being <laughs> an idiot and I was running around the flower bed. And then he, like, did the aggravated thing. And I was like, what? And then he texted me because I still don't know how to chat in this game. It works. He can chat at me, but I don't know how to reply. Um, and he was like, you ruined the flowers. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, the the petals will fall off if you run over them. But he's like, don't worry about it. It'll grow back in a couple of days. I was just like, he's like, I'm just giving you a hard time. But oh, that's like, so funny. Oops. I mean, generally you just run over all that shit. Nothing happens. But what do we know? We're noobs. I Invite us know. with caution. And even yeah. Maria, it was like, I have stuff for you. Help me. I'm like, yes, Maria, help me. Help me, Rihanna. Everyone. Yeah. Greg helped me a lot because I have um, cherry poor. trees now. And I have, he gave oh. me, he gave me literally every fruit except obviously peaches which is what the one fruit he needed mm. and so before i even had fired up animal crossing um i had asked him about like his experience with it because i saw he they did like a review or whatever mm-hmm. and he was like well you know i can help you get a lot of stuff but you know you're on your own for peaches and i was like okay whatever and so like fired up the game and then it was like your island has peaches and so i just texted him i was like oh hey look at this and he was like oh man we're in business and i was like yes <laughs> yes we are uh no it's it's really i've, um, I've seen game. that he has a very intense shrine 
to Jen oh on his island. Oh my god, that's so yes. scary, but still it's amazing really at creepy. the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the creepier thing was during our, our Patreon stream, um, she was also on the island, and she just stood in that room. It wasn't done yet at the time. And she held a praying mantis up oh, yeah. that she had caught, and she was just so holding... Weird this bug and i texted her a screenshot of it and i was just like are you, are you okay, okay? <laughs> and she just wrote back touch my bug <laughs> like i can't touch your bug that's not how this game works i oh. don't know i don't know what you want me to do oh my uh, god but it was oh. it was pretty funny no it's they definitely a cute relaxing bunch game of and i appreciate you know I think I don't know if this game could have come at a better time with every the shit fire that's happening in the real world right now. I think it's providing a lot of people a lot of comfort and just an escape, and uh, it's it's nice. Good job, Nintendo. Yes. You did the thing. Yes, good job. Good. Yeah. You good did job the thing. Um. <sighs> all right. So this isn't like a hard pivot into a uh, into a weird game, but an unexpected game for me. So I broke out my Oculus Quest headset and, um, you know, updated it, tuned it on, and I was like, you know, I think I want to try um, some VR titles. So a friend of mine reached out who was doing um, PR for a game called Down the Rabbit Hole. So this is from a little studio called Cortopia Studio, and it's a VR adventure, and they're dubbing it the newest chapter to Lewis Carroll's classic, Alice in Wonderland. So it's out this week. Um, it launched on March 26th, and it's available for Oculus Quest, Oculus Rift, Viveport, PSVR, and Steam are going to be available soon, it says. So out for Oculus now, and then the other platforms are on the way. So just a little blurb from the PR team about the game. It says, Down the Rabbit Hole is a VR adventure that serves as a prequel story to Lewis Carroll's classic Alice in Wonderland tale. In the game, the player discovers a girl in search of her lost pet, Patches, that has wandered into Wonderland. Players must guide her as she moves through a mysterious world looking for her missing pet. But which way? Players control her fate by plotting her journey through an immersive and di- or through an immersive diorama that wraps around them. Through the game's many twists and turns, they'll find themselves exploring the wondrous corners of Wonderland, solving puzzles and uncovering secrets, and making choices for the girl and other characters along the way. So, I thought that was an interesting description because for me. I've always enjoyed watching Alice in Wonderland, um, both the cartoons and the live action films that have been. I know the book is really popular. We've got a copy of it on our bookshelf. And I've always just been kind of a fan. And I, you guys know how I feel about VR. I think that it's a really amazing, wondrous piece of technology that just has been really hard for me to get into because the physicality of wearing the VR headsets is really challenging for me because I have like a freakishly small face. Um, and so whenever I put the VR headsets on, I really have to strap them on very tightly in order to keep the lenses on the bridge of my nose where it's in focus. And that's been just, it means that I usually can't play VR for more than, you know, 20 minutes or so at a time before it starts to get like physically uncomfortable for my face. And so when I heard about this game, I was like, oh, it sounds really cool. And I haven't played VR in a while. You know what? They're offering me a code. Why don't I just give it a try? So I downloaded it. And 
boy, I was not expecting just how much I really enjoyed this game. So what I really love about my time with the game is first off, like I didn't stop playing until my neck hurt so much from the weight of the VR headset kind of like drifting my head forward. I was probably in VR for almost a full 60 minutes before I was like, okay, now I need to take I need to take a break. And I took the Oculus Quest off and I had these gigantic red marks all over <laughs> my all over my face. And John saw me and he was like, Oh no. <laughs> and those things last a while. I know. I was like, I was like, oh no, is it bad? He was like, ooh. And so I went to the mirror and I was like, oh dang. I had just had these stripes, one giant one across my forehead and then across my cheeks where the headset was like you know, strapped down to my face. Yep. Um, So that aside, I think what that, um, the reason I'm telling you that is because I was so interested in what I was playing that I ignored this physical discomfort (laughs) because I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually really cool. So you started off as this girl and she's unnamed. And what I really enjoyed is that there's key points throughout the narrative where they'll give you choices. So your first choice is your pet patches. You get three options. You get to choose, is your pet Patches um, a cat, a tortoise, or a lizard, I think was the third option. That's some weird choices. Like I was was expecting cat, dog, fish. I was expecting cat, dog, rabbit. Uh, And I don't know. Well, the rabbits feature pretty prominently as, as a species and character in Alice in Wonderland, the kind of like lore. So I think that's why they didn't go with rabbit. But, um... I like that they integrated choice, even though the choice I, I have yet to see like how meaningful that choice is, or if it's just like about player customization. And so I was like, I mean, okay, I feel this like cool. Chasing a tortoise is just unrealistic. <laughs> like you would catch it really fast. Well, <laughs> it's, it's not about necessarily chasing so much as finding <laughs> where they wandered off to. Okay. Um, and then, like, the kind of visual illusions of, like, oh, you think <laughs> you see them over there, but are they really over there, or is there some kind of... Or are you high level? on drugs? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, Alice in Wonderland is yeah. basically just, like, marijuana, the movie. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm playing the game, and the VR, like, traversal is done really well, so... The whole idea of like Alice like kind of falling down this this tunnel and landing in Wonderland. Um, so you're like falling down this tree trunk, and like as you move through the world, it like slowly wraps around this giant tree, and you kind of like corkscrew your way down the tree. And they have these grips on on either like placed on either side of like the window openings. So you use the Oculus controllers to grab on and then you can move it up and down and then you can turn it side to side using uh, when you're holding both hands. And if you just grab with one hand, you can just kind of move yourself up and down, but you can also move it forward and back, which I really liked because sometimes I, I'm a VR drifter. I always like walk outside like the guardian zone and then I run into something because I just move a lot when I'm playing in VR. And so I, it was really helpful when I got up close to the edge and the virtual walls like stop moving. I would could back up, grab one of the handholds and then pull the world closer to me so I could see it. And I really mm. liked that functionality. And then also if I stopped and just looked up, I could see all of the levels that I had passed like on my way down. So if I really wanted to, I could handhold and 
crawl my way up the tree trunk and look inside those levels that I had passed further up the mm. level chain. And I thought that that was like a really nice virtual reality touch for traversal that really sets apart VR games that are designed specifically for VR and games that are like adapted or ported to VR, which thankfully, you know, we're not seeing too many of those these days, which um, I think is a smart move. And so I'm I'm going through the world and of course you know you meet the you meet the rabbit and he's like oh my gosh I've made these invitations for the queen of hearts and she's throwing this party and then you know air quotes Alice she's not Alice it's a it's a different girl and then you actually get to pick her name later on um kind of like comes in and they all go flying and then one of the collectible items is to go through each level and collect all of these invitations that you've you know scattered and try to help out the rabbit and all of his like hundreds of children. Like one of the opening lines wow. was, was she murdered 37 of my children? And I was like, wait, what? He's lot. like the queen. The queen murdered them. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then the next scene, you see all these little baby rabbits bouncing around. And I was like, oh no. Oh, he was busy. Was a rabbit. I mean, that's the whole idea, right? Um, so I just was really taken aback by how well done the traversal and the puzzle mechanics were. So does it kind of look like Moss and the way um, you control it? Sort of, but not really. So the, Mm. the, and what I mean by that is that it does feel like you're like an observer from the outside. It's, it's not, it's only first person in specific settings. So you'll be kind of like a, like an outside observer and then you'll control your character with the thumbstick on the Oculus controller. And then you'll like see her walking around. And then there are certain interactive elements where like you're talking to the caterpillar, for example. So I had this conversation with the caterpillar and then it'll zoom in and then you're in first person. Mm. And what I like about that is that you get to see the detail up close and the character models look much better when they're up close and then you can kind of look around for puzzle clues and then you kind of like, you know, like X out and then it zooms you back out. And that's when you kind of traverse around the inside of this giant tree trunk. So I felt like with Moss, what I liked about the traversal on Moss is that I never got woozy at all because it was all, I, I don't want to call it third person because it doesn't feel that way. I don't know if there's like a, and it's not isometric either. I don't know if there's a specific VR term for the perspective that you get when you're like um like an outside like yeah like a giant looking in like a diorama like a di- like a like a dollhouse almost bird's um, eye view that's too far up hmm. yeah birds birds yeah because bird's eye then into, like kind of indicates that you're overhead yeah but you're not you're from the side like you're cut out I guess diorama is maybe the word but yeah that's close enough um but yeah so it's it's similar but. All of Moss was like that, and not all of this game is like that. Mm. It feels a little bit more like, um, oh my gosh, what was that amazing RPG from last year that like won all the VR awards? You had like the God View. Oh, um, ah, shit. Uh, uh, I'm God, a brain no. fart. Um, is it the one? I'll think of it. Yeah, not God. No, fuck. What was it? Yeah, you know which one I'm talking about. That we saw at GDC. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I played that one too. Fuck. I played it too. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I'll move on from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just really like what they did, and like I just I love the setting of Alice in Wonderland, and you know, like you got the queen, and you got the cards. Like one of the first missions you have is like you meet this card who's a half number. 
he's like four, the card four and a half <laughs> and like his like plight is that the queen doesn't like halves and everyone makes fun of him and then you like team up to kind of find your find patches and and then you stumble upon this cook and you have to do this recipe and like just like the little touches that they've added are great and I haven't gone back to a VR game in a while and I was really glad that I had the opportunity to play this and like I you know want to thank you know Cortopia and Zebra Partners for reaching out because I I probably would never have found this game just by going to browse the Oculus Store because it turns out I'm just not browsing the Oculus Store if I'm turning my quest on and playing Beat Saber you know, <laughs> or Autica and like that's yeah. it. And I so still get the, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, push notifications for Oculus Quest. I have them specifically on my phone. It is always reminding me of new games because I think like you, I haven't picked mine up in a long time. But when I do pick it up, I'm addicted to it for like a good solid week or so. Where like what's new, what cool experiences can I have? And then I sit it down and then I forget it. But yeah, to pick and it I know that up. everyone's talking about Half Life Alex and. I know on What's Good Games Live, we talked about it being exclusive to Index. And like, for the record, it is not exclusive to Index anymore. It You can get it on a variety of VR platforms that are PC only. So you can't get it on PSVR and you can't get it on anything that's tied to mobile, like a Samsung Gear, if people are even making games for that anymore. But my thing was with, with Oculus or with Quest, you have to use the link cable, so you're still tied to your... PC and now based off all of the high praise I kind of feel you know like interested in trying it out on my main powered my on my Rift because we do have an Oculus Rift here as well we do have an HTC Vive too um somewhere well it might be at John's office which we can't go back and get right now but um I want to try Alex because everyone's talking about how great Half-Life Alex is. And Mm -hmm. this is like, this game has kind of reminded me like, hey, don't sleep on VR. If you own a VR headset, you know, there's still a lot of really fantastic games out there. And um, I just really loved, I just really loved this game. And, you know, it's only $19.99. I'm about halfway through the game or at least it feels like it. So it seems like it's a pretty short game. I would guess like two to four hours, depending on how much time you're, you know, exploring, but you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. So if you've got a quest and you're at home, you know, working from home, like most of us and you're like, Hey, I'm looking for something to play. You know, this is something I would recommend you check out. Noted. Yeah. I just got to pull myself away from Yakuza, which I've done. I've done it. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, the other game you can't talk about, um, but next week. Oh yeah. Talk about fucking on. But you're you already talked about Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. um, and then Steimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about um, well, we talked we talked about Ori last week. Oh, mm-hmm. have you been playing Round Guard? I only played a little bit of it. I played basically one run through of it, and I made it to the final or whatever a final boss. Uh, I don't know if there would have been more because I died, <laughs> and then <laughs> that was it. And then I was like. That was fun for that. I'm not gonna. I, I, it's one of those games where I would hop on and just do a, a a quick run through of as far as I could get, and then I would probably stop and then put it away, and then again do it rinse repeat. Right? Like it's something that I just want to hop into for something quick. Um, I would play it more on my Switch. I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like that might be the better platform for me for that because if I'm on my Xbox, I don't really want to play a Peggle type game. I don't know. It's just per- personal preference. Have you- what platform are you playing it on? Xbox. Xbox. Yeah, I have it on my phone through Apple Arcade, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't can see it working well much, on your phone, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, because, like, essentially, it's just, like, it's really easy touch control. And I do sometimes find it a little difficult if I have to use an ability while I'm aiming. But for the most part, it's, like, exactly what I want. I want to do, like, a run or two and then put it down because that game is harder than I anticipated. I mean, been, yeah, it's, uh, I, I had to pick the rogue because the double jump is just too OP, I think. I love it. Um but yeah, I I uh, I was super bummed. Like I was like, I made it to the boss, amazing! First run, first try, great! And they they just murdered me like straight. It, it was it was really sad. I was like, oh, I am dead. Oh, wow. oh I'm very very dead. <laughs> yeah, I wish that they had ramped the difficulty a little bit softer, <laughs> and that it would have been, you know, at least through the first full level. Because I'd played like four or five times before I got to the intermission, which is like after the first boss. And then I never made it to the very, like, so I made it to the first boss and then there was like a mini boss and then there's like the big bad at the very end. Mm. Still haven't made it all the way to the very end, but I've made it to the first big bosses. Um, And then I just, I just die. And not that I ever want mobile games to add options to be like, do you want (laughs) to pay to like extend your life? But part of me is like, I can't get past this point and there, it doesn't feel like I'm leveling up my overall stats in order to be able to get stronger to make it through the runs. And so I'm like, okay, so I feel like the general idea of this game is solid and really good, but I feel like some of the progression feels, the, the difficulty progression spike is just too unforgiving in the beginning like i think like they need to maybe allow people more time to get used to the mechanics before they ramp the difficulty part of the roguelike element of this game up and maybe this is just why i don't play roguelikes because i'm just like i don't want to fail continuously before i feel like i'm succeeding i think that that's actually a really interesting point in that as you were saying that i i thought about other roguelikes and how the whole point of them is to really develop your skill and get better and get better and work at it and grind at it and then do the thing and be it feel accomplished. That's why a lot of people really enjoy roguelikes. In this case, while yes, there is an element of knowing how and when like basic geometry, I guess of like ricocheting (laughs) at some point, it also is partially just bouncing luck, right? Like you cannot, you as a human cannot project every single way that you are going to bounce off of every single thing. Um, so you can make a pretty good first shot and know where you're going to go. But after that, like not really always up to you, <laughs> especially if you don't pick the rogue and you don't, you don't have the ability to re launch yourself back into the fray. You're just like, you kind of have to go where the wind takes you. And, uh, it's not always a good place. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's actually kind of interesting in that it, a roguelike for this type of game just might not actually make any sense. Like it just mm-hmm. might, these two things may, may not combine. It's like teriyaki sauce on ice cream. I don't know. Oh, that sounds weird. It yeah. does. I, I definitely absolutely feel exactly what you're saying though, particularly since when you start a new run, like you don't always get the double jump with the rogue when you start a run, which oh, is really I learned. Yeah. So, because I kept going back to the rogue, and then there was a one, one run where I got a different ability, and it was like, no, where's the <laughs> double jump? Um, and and I tried the I tried the warrior, and I tried the wizard, 
but yeah, like I think that the kind of chance element of it is just too frustrating in a roguelike setting. And I just, I, again, like I don't, obviously I already said I don't inherently like roguelikes, but I wasn't so anti the idea that I was like, I'm not going to play. I just had wished that the the difficulty ramp was a little bit, you know, more forgiving. Yeah. But. It's a fun pop-in game. Do a, run, do a run, see how far you get, put it down, come back to it later, do the same, rinse, repeat. Yeah, exactly. But you're also reading a book. I finished one of the most fascinating and also terrifying books <laughs> that I have read in, my, in my lifetime. You've been educating me during these I, breaks. I, yeah, it's been interesting. So, I mean, just at the beginning of the year, even, I was like, I, I did pretty well reading last year, but I really wanted to make it more habitual this year um so i've been reading and i'll usually read like a fiction book and then a non-fiction book to kind of keep my brain active and not be overloading on science all of the time even though i do enjoy it but so i just finished why we sleep uh which is a book by matthew walker who is phd he works at uc berkeley right now i believe in the sleep labs up there and it's basically a deep dive on sleep and how it is so fundamentally tied to all of our system as human systems, like and being a human being. I mean, also all animals really that do sleep do this, um, which actually I can't remember exactly. I feel like the only, I can't remember the only ones that don't, but there's like basically everything takes some form of rest. Even when they, there was like always this myth or whatever that sharks don't sleep. Sharks do sleep. They just don't have eyelids. <laughs> It's terrifying. <laughs> so they just can't close god. their eyes. Oh god. <laughs> I just I actually the the thing I really enjoyed about this book is there were there were moments where I just laughed out loud and it was shit like that where mm-hmm. like the way he wrote it and the way it you know, kind of like was delivered in you know delivered as best you can in writing. I I would I laughed out loud. Um but I didn't, I mean, I, I, you obviously know, like, kind of, like, whatever, sleep's important, but I do think we as a society overall tend to diminish sleep, and we tend to be like, it's fine, don't worry about it, especially in college or whatever, you're like, no, I must cram, I must learn all of these things, there's not enough time, but reading this book, I'm like, holy shit, we're all stupid, we're all so dumb, <laughs> because actually, everything that you do when you, like, pull it all nighter just ruins everything you're doing anyway so if you're trying to retain information that all-nighter ain't gonna help you it's going to completely ruin it so like sleep is tied to memory so like if you have basically as you're learning things throughout the day a lot of stuff gets stored in like your hippocampus which is your short-term memory bank sleep allows your brain to take all of that stuff clear the cache basically and move it into the more well discard some of it if it's un- if the brain deems it unimportant and then move the things that are important into long-term memory so you can actually access that information later on um, so they did a whole bunch of tests that are in this book about um, just sleeping tied to memory and people who did these things and then stayed awake versus the people who did them and then went to sleep and the people who went to sleep were like infinitely better at recalling all of this information so there's stuff like that there's other things tied to your physical health um so both in terms of your mental and physical body like your gut health your rate of infection your ability to maintain a stable um emotional state 
is also very heavily tied to sleep, which is, I'm sure everybody can relate to. You feel like if you haven't haven't gotten sleep, uh, a lot of that puts a lot of strain on your the emotional centers of your brain, and it fatigues. Um, I believe the frontal cortex, which is like your your. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a funnier way to put it, but it's, it's your like regulation center, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, that's the business center. It keeps everything together. It's all business all the time. We're in power suits and shit. Um, <laughs> so like, there are just so many elements of this book I found completely and utterly fascinating. So whether you like to digest audio books or if you read physical books, or if you read, hopefully on your Kindle, do not read on your iPad, or at least don't read on your iPad at night. Mm-hmm. Um, what about with night mode? it's better but still impacts they your turn sleep the, so they turn the blue they turn the blue off they turn the, the they turn the blue off i think in general those screens are not not super great for nighttime but i mean um, i'm a paper purist like i don't read on screens anyway yeah like paper I, or bust paper or bust indeed yeah. um but it was fascinating to to learn about sleep in general and how um how it works like how your body does fall asleep the things that it needs in order to fall asleep one of the things I thought was really funny is so a lot of time I have trouble sleeping in general, but something that I'll usually do is like take a bath uh, if I if I want to go be able to sleep a little easier. I always thought it was because my body was too cold or whatever. Like I just needed something to warm me up. Actually, your body needs to decrease its core temperature in order to stay asleep. So um, it's true. So when you, um, I heard that getting overheated in your sleep actually makes you have more nightmares. It, is that in the book? It also wakes you up. Like you, you just, you can't, you cannot maintain sleep if your house is too warm or if your bedding keeps, like causes you to overheat. Um, so that's why you're supposed to turn your thermostats down when you're in bed. And like, John always gives mm-hmm. me such a hard time when he's like, why is it, so, why are you trying to make it so cold at night? I go, because we're under the covers. Yes. I need to drop the temperature. It doesn't need to be 68. It needs to be 60. And well, 65 is the optimal lower. temperature, but yes. 60. Damn. 65. Yeah, I drop it down to 60 when we're sleeping. That's real cold, but you do you. <laughs> well, we have a lot of blankets on the bed. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, point about the bath was that what actually is happening there is the, the warm water will so your, your hands, your feet, and your head are all vents. So the warm water is actually causing more blood flow to the venting parts of your body, allowing it to cool off faster, which is like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, okay, cool. So you get out of the hot bath and then your body is just like, heat, vacate, and then you can fall asleep more easily. Interesting. Today I I learned. Yeah, I always thought it was just because you get hot and it kind of just like makes you turn into a puddle of goo and then you just want to sleep. No, you get hot and then you and then you get cold. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. but, <laughs> now but, I'm taking yeah. a bath tonight. Let's yeah, go. Take a bath. But there's a lot of, I mean there's a lot of things in there about caffeine, about alcohol, the way that they interact with your body. There's um the but like the the number one tip if you're like, I'm not gonna read this book. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so some of the main tips are set a steady bedtime and wake up time no matter what day it is. So don't do the thing where you're like, I'll be sleep deprived all week and I'll binge sleep on the weekends. There's no such thing as catching up on sleep. It is false. They have proven it mm. false. It's not a real thing. Mm. You may sleep more after, but you will never, I guess what I should actually say is you will never truly recover from lost sleep. Your body will tend to binge sleep if it feels it's very deprived and it wants to get something back, but it's never going to be a one-to-one 
This lost sleep mm. is a lost sleep. Um, so setting a bedtime, sticking with it, that routine will help your body. Also doing things like Andrea was talking about with the light. Um, so there were so many things in there where it's talking about how we as humans have fundamentally changed and just kind of screwed up our internal rhythms. One of them was the invention of the light bulb and how usually your circadian rhythm goes usually, I mean, it works without the sun because they've done this in a dark cave and it still happens. You still have a cycle of sleep, but a lot of the strength of that circadian rhythm is tied to the sun. So the sun comes up, our melatonin, production decreases because of the light and then as the sun starts to set our melatonin starts to increase because it's dark but we it's light all the time here now right we got light everywhere (laughs) so it's just like interesting things like that where you're like oh shit yeah you're right and then the invention of basically work and and causing everybody to go to work at the same time so a lot of people struggle I think, you know, you, Brittany, were talking about this a little earlier before we started recording, how you tend to be more of a, what's called like an owl sleeper. You naturally are a little bit more awake A at night, night owl? Yeah, a night owl. They have the, the owls and the larks and the whatevers. Um, but people who tend to have more owl tendencies are super punished in this day and age because work usually still expects you to be somewhere at a certain right. time. Doesn't really give a damn about your circadian rhythm. It's mostly just me, like, texting Brittany, like, TikTok videos and being like, are you awake yet? Are you awake yet? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of suggestions he makes in there. He's like, I know that this is all pie in the sky and nobody will ever take this seriously. But if we as a society can, and certain workforce places have, so places like Google, for instance, are more flexible with their work hours, allowing people who do have those more nighttime owl tendencies to just live that way and you find that those people are obviously infinitely more productive than somebody who is sleepy uh, on the job and oh god and then they're also talking about like how sleep impaired uh if you like have i can't remember the exact number so i'm not going to quote it but basically whatever a certain amount of sleep deprivation is the exact same as being drunk but we never talk about sleepy driving on the road and sleeping driving Mm -hmm. is actually what kills more people than alcohol or drug use while driving because while you're while you are impaired while you are on alcohol or drugs you're still awake so the micro sleeps will kill and kill more people because the car is essentially now a torpedo and you won't be stopping at all because you're asleep like you're not like you're not hitting the brake too too late you're just not hitting the brake at all and so like the car is plummeting at whatever speed or the truck is plummeting at whatever speed and god there's just like there's just so much in this book that i can you know talk that about makes forever uh, that really resonates with me because i'll never forget when jason and i were first dating he lived an hour north of me and i would drive up to see him he would drive down but this particular time i drove up and i had to get back down and i left his house at like three in the morning and i had to drive and I don't remember anything about that. And I wasn't drunk or I hadn't been drinking like for a very long time. And so I was driving and the only thing I remember was semis like driving past me. They were very blurry. And then I was home. And I totally like I've always wondered about that night. And I was like, that was weird. So, you know, I and I I guess, yeah, sleep deprivation obviously was it. But like firsthand, it's like, oh, yeah, I've experienced that. That was very terrifying. That was yeah. a very why, scary thing. Yeah, it's why caffeine pills are such a big thing at truck stops. 
You know, when you go, uh, or at least they used to be, and that's why, you know, a lot of people are pushing for these automated trucks, right, Where, which have autonomous driving, and it's like robots driving versus humans because robots will never fall asleep. Yep. Um, but it's, um, yeah, yeah, dangerous the, driving. The, the truck sure. driver thing was really scary because a lot of them, I mean, there's also other factors, but a lot of them are overweight or, like, tend to have sleep apnea or those types of things, which means the little sleep they are getting isn't very restorative at all. And then that, yeah, they have these really long shifts. So you micro sleep at the wheel and you, you die probably and a whole bunch of other people die. And that's just really terrifying. And yes. So automated trucks, please. (laughs) Or like at least like a, like a, some sort of system. Yeah. Like, yes. The bit, the the rule of thumb is please get eight hours of sleep. Cause Andrea was even saying before, she's like, but isn't it true that some people genetically don't need, um, like a full eight hours and the book technically says yes, but the number percentage wise of population on earth rounded is zero. So like, that's how little, <laughs> yeah, but you can't round when there's like 7 billion people on the earth. Like that's, that's a, a rounding error is still like hundreds of thousands of people. Sure. But you're probably not one of them. Is my point. <laughs> Maybe I am. Steimer. Maybe I am. <laughs> Because I was, I was telling, so she was talking to us about the about this book that she's reading before we started recording tonight, and I was just like, it's just been a thing for me where I just, I just don't, I just don't sleep more than like I generally get five to six hours of sleep a night, and I just can't physically sleep more if I'm on vacation or if I'm at home and not working. I literally have nothing to get up for. I just can't sleep more hours, and I just. I don't know. I just prefer to sleep in smaller bouts. And now I used to be a really terrible napper. Like I used to nap every day because I wasn't sleeping at night. But what I discovered was that once I started treating my ADHD by going to a psychiatrist and getting medication, I was suddenly was able to start sleeping again because I for a long time I thought that I was having trouble with insomnia only being able to sleep like 90 minutes at a time then waking up and then go back to sleep and then wake up back to sleep wake up like every night just could not do it Um, and I was having these concentration errors and concentration problems throughout the day and like obviously the sleep deprivation was exacerbating that and so I finally went to see a psychiatrist because I was like I need to like I have to talk to somebody about this like this is driving me crazy And then she was like, okay, well, let's put you on some medication. And then since I've been on medication, I actually sleep better despite the fact that my medication is technically a stimulant because I'm able to like work off all of that like mental energy during the day when I'm supposed to. And then it tapers off at a very specific time of day based on when I take my medication. So that way when I get to bedtime, which for me – is generally between like midnight and 1 a.m. Sometimes if I have a really early morning, I am able to slide it back to like 11 or 11.30. But generally speaking, I'm not getting into bed before midnight. And then I'm waking up at like 8 a.m. the next morning. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is like, it was life-changing for me. So yeah. Sleep habits are important. And I told her, I go, I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't do screens in bed. I have a routine. There's no TV in our bedroom. That was a contentious thing when John and I moved in together originally. I was like, this is he the thing you got to know about me. Of course he did. And uh, I, I was know. just like, Not and I was just like no. TV in bed. I mean, like a lot of people watch TV in bed. And I was just like, no. 
So he has his iPad that he'll like watch TV in bed with sometimes if I'm reading, but I'm just like, no, there's no TV in the bedroom. It's just not happening. Um, and then I, I read before bed. So I have like a routine and then like I turn off screens X amount of like minutes, usually like 60 minutes before bedtimes. Like, okay, it's time to transition into like no more, no more phone, no more computers, no more video games. And, yeah. You know, and then like, I feel like I, I had, I had a rhythm, but now that I'm these last couple of weeks, everything's been thrown out of whack, but like these last couple of weeks, everything, everything's out of whack. I think so. that's pretty understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what's weird? Yeah. And I, I don't know if your book talks about this. This is the most Brit thing ever, but whenever I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep, I go on Reddit, no sleep. And I read because I can't shut my brain off, right? So I'll go to Reddit No Sleep and I'll read a whole bunch of fucking scary stories about like exorcisms and demons and ghosts. And then I fucking sleep like a baby. What? You're really weird. So I guess I mean for you, actually. So what he recommends, though, is like if you find yourself laying in bed for a long time, unable to fall asleep, just get out of bed. Like don't lay there. Get out of bed. Go out to your like living room, whatever. And do something you find relaxing. So apparently for you, it is the relaxing thing is reading horror stories. Dude, like, you're, you're not the only one. I actually have other friends who also are like, I love falling asleep to murder podcasts. And you're like, I mean, all right, I'm sure. <laughs> no, 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 see, like I can't do that because that's real, right? That shit's real. I'm yeah. talking like stupid. Oh, my little boy was possessed by a demon, and here's like my five minute read about my experience. I think, and I don't know if this is true, but I think what happens is it gets my mind just like. It exercises my brain and then I fall asleep. But other than that, like it's my go-to when we were in Turks and Caicos, Jason and I, we both had terrible jet lag and he woke up with me around four in the morning. He's like, I can't sleep. I'm like, I'm going to find us a scary story to read. We both read it and then we both just fell asleep immediately. That's so Maybe crazy. Weirdos attract weirdos, I guess. Yeah. I don't know that eh. that's not, they definitely did not mention anything about <laughs> no read it, no sleep you in your book. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, oh. didn't make it there. No, I love I, – I really enjoy this conversation. It's fascinating, and I love that you read these kind of things because it's something I probably will never read, but I love the information that I'm getting from you. So thank you, one Christine yes. Steimer. You're very welcome. Wow. And on that note, I feel very sleepy. Legit. Yeah. That's yeah. the sleep pressure building in your brain. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Everyone's going to go practice some good sleep habits tonight. Well, thank you Please for that. Please do. And um, thank you for listening to the show and for being part of what we do. Don't forget, we will be back Monday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash what's good games. Please come join us if you're working from home and you can have a second screen experience that isn't distracting to what you do. Um, And we will also be streaming next week. Turns out next week, a release date for a pretty big video game is happening. (laughs) Brittany. What game is coming out next week? Can you remind me? Resident Evil 3. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so uh, she uh, she watched me play the demo on our Twitch stream after What's Good Games Live last week. But next week, the game is fully out. So, of course, we're going to be streaming that. Um, so the exact time of that isn't yet uh, solidified. So if you aren't following us on Twitter, What's Good underscore games, it's a good place to do that. And also uh, follow us on Twitch and turn your notifications on. So when we do go live, you'll get that ping and you'll know exactly because we have to stream that game, obviously. I'm so excited. You did a, you did a good job. It's Thanks. Resident Evil has this little curve to it, but once you get the hang of it, especially this third one, then you're like, you're moving and grooving. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I screamed quite a bit, but you know, 
As you do. I got Things you. Things happen. I'll help you. We're going to scream. What's good screams, everybody? It's going to be a new series. We're working on it. Um, all right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you for being here. We love you. Goodbye, everybody.